0: The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. The stated purpose of Scientology is to transform lives and the world. Pretty huge purpose. Uh, Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you've met us here already. Thank you for loving us each, individually and specifically. And for the amazing way you've demonstrated that love through sacrificing yourself for us. And today, Lord, as we um, compare and contrast Scientology with Christianity... I pray that we would become more confident in our understanding of you and ourselves and our relationships to others and even more comfortable, Lord, in being able to have a conversation and even to to develop a significant relationship with someone from Scientology. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in case you're wondering, I am not Octavio Martinez. OK He's taller, better looking, and uh, his wife dresses him more fashionably. So I just wanted to let you know that right up front. He also has really great high-tech equipment, and I brought, instead of my, you know iPod Touch or whatever, I, I brought my legal pad. so you know, it worked for me last week, so I thought, hey, you know? Why change up? It's, it's, it's not broken. Don't try to fix it. Uh, yes, like I said, the Church of Scientology's purpose is to, is to transform lives and the world. In fact, uh, they, they, they pursue this purpose by providing an, an applied spiritual philosophy, an applied spiritual philosophy that accomplishes the rehabilitation and the maximization of each person's true spiritual potential. Sounds, sounds impressive and big, all right? And the founder of this applied spiritual philosophy is a guy named L. Ron Hubbard. And L. Ron Hubbard uh, summarizes his purpose for Scientology by this quote a civilization without insanity, without criminals, and without war, where the able can prosper and honest beings can have rights, and where man is free to rise to greater heights. These are all the aims of Scientology. You know, so on the surface level, what, what we have saw is... Uh, directly off of Scientology's main website, Scientology.org, um, and you know you see stuff, and you know you kind of go, "Wow, that sounds very similar. That sounds, you know, very compelling. That sounds helpful. That sounds relationally competent, you know." And um, and many world religions. Sound that way, seem that way, appear that way, at least on the surface. And like last week when we talked, we said that uh, the, the question or the common problem or the common issue that all faiths are trying to, to address is, is the fact that the world is not what it could be. It's not what it could be because man is not who he should be. Right? Right? So the world isn't what it could be because I'm really not who I should be. And that's why I need to apply myself to whatever the tenets are of the faith that I'm pursuing. So within Scientology, uh, it's, it's actually very similar to the Hinduisms that we talked about last week. Like last week, we, we basically came up with that the, the Hinduism's, the traditions of Hinduism, the main problem is man is ignorant, the ignorance of man. And so the solution to that problem in Hinduism is to put yourself forward, to work for enlightenment. And as you're pursuing enlightenment, uh, if you're in a certain track within Hinduism, you count on a personally designed, kind of a customized God that you pay your devotion to to kind of come and meet you part way towards you. All right? Kind of the grace of a personal God kind of helps cover up whatever I'm lacking in being able to attain perfect enlightenment. And so, if that's the solutions that Hinduism offer, Christianity basically says, really, man's primary problem isn't just ignorance, it's personal sin. I just choose to think wrong things, to have wrong attitudes, to say wrong things, to act in a wrong way. That's my nature. That's my personal sin. And the only solution to my personal sin is a savior, a gracious God beyond myself who can come and cover everything for me. That's what Christianity poses as the the problem and the solution. Now, The scripture says it this way, and we talked about this last week. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. And we're going on. Yet now God, in his gracious kindness, declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus, who has freed us by taking away our sins. And that's really the essence of the gospel. That I, my main problem is my personal sin. And the only solution I have is the grace and the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. To help make up that gap. And so... Last week, we kind of focused on the first half of that, the, the problem, you know, the ignorance and the sin. And then this week with Scientology, we're gonna camp a little more in the solution side of it, of okay, well then, whose job is it to be the savior? <laughs> is, is, it, is it God incarnate through Jesus Christ who came to be my savior? Or is it, as Scientology would pose, you actually become your own savior Scientology again would basically say our primary problem is ignorance ignorance of really the immortal spirit that each and every human being is and our unlimited potential because of that we're ignorant of those things and so we need to gain enlightenment and the way we do that is through personal work. You saw in the video, auditing, classes, personal counseling. All right, it's, it's all based on what you put into it is what you will get out of it. So, again, in contrast to that whole scenario, Jesus actually said some really amazing things about himself as our savior. He said, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Then he also said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one, no one can come to the father except through me. A very, very exclusive and specific relationship and opportunity is what Jesus provides. Now, Scientology, it it literally means the study of knowledge or the study of truth, if you're just going to take the term. The study of knowledge, the study of truth. In L. Ron Hubbard's own words, he, he would define it as knowing in its fullest sense knowing in its fullest sense. When uh, L. Ron Hubbard was about 12, he was introduced to the theories of Freud's psychoanalysis. Basically, that, that man has a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. And Freud's theory was that a lot of our problems, in fact, all of our problems, are really trapped up in this subconscious mind that, that we don't, we're unaware of, subconscious, uh, and that through psychoanalysis, you can bring those memories, those thoughts, those feelings up into your conscious mind and deal with them in specific ways. That, that concept really grabbed L. Ron Hubbard, and he became obsessed with understanding uh, the, the mind and human reasoning and, and Freud's theories. He, he also was apparently, by whatever public records we have, an amazing student. He went to George Washington University. He studied mathematics. He studied engineering and the brand new science of nuclear, uh, of nuclear physics. Um, in his 20s and 30s, he became a real popular science fiction author. You know, pulp pulp magazines, pulp fiction, and. Then he also applied himself to studying Hinduism, Buddhism, and Taoism, many of the Eastern philosophies. And over time, kind of fusing Freud's psychoanalysis and Eastern mysticism and Eastern traditions, he, in 1950, wrote a book called Dianetics, The Science of the Mind. And in that book, he basically said that each and every person is an immortal soul. And that uh, within our subconscious mind, there are hurts and there are traumas, there's pain. And if we can bring those up into our conscious awareness and learn what is true, what is right, what, what is knowable, uh, we can become freed from the negative aspects. Basically, that through applying Dianetics, you can overcome negative emotions, negative relationships, and even psychosomatic illnesses. Right? So all the things that they talked about in that, in that opening video uh, is, is part of the process that Scientology has you apply yourself to. Now, because L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction writer, he couldn't just use everybody else's terminology for everything. And so really in Scientology, you have to have like a lexicon of, of his terms just to understand what in the world are these people talking about, right? A, a, a little example of it. Uh, human beings are called uh, thetans, all right? Thetans. And that basically means it's the immortal spirit that's inside each and every individual. You're a thetan that there are engrams, engrams. Those are the recordings of pain and trauma that that are in our mind, but not in our memory. They're locked away in our mind, but they're not a part of our conscious memory. Auditing, okay, auditing is a technology-based one-on-one counseling scenario that people trained in the arts of Scientology walk people through. Clear is kind of like nirvana in a way. Clear means that you are free from all engrams. Right? You're clear, you're free. And then ultimately, you become an operating thetan. An operating thetan. And, th- and that means you're somebody who actually surpasses clear and you uh, aspire to higher and higher and higher levels of enlightenment and awareness and empowerment. And basically, operating thetans uh, can uh, transform matter, they can transform energy, they can transform space, and they can transform time. Now remember, L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction author, so he could, he could tell a story in a convincing and compelling way. And if you're going to tell a story, tell a big one, right? If you're going to give a goal, make it a big, hairy goal out there. And that's exactly what he did. He got it out there. In fact, Scientology has a symbol. It's, it's called the Scientology cross. And before you, as a Christian, go, oh, yeah, okay, I get, it's a bridge, all right? The cross, you know, it's really not... Doesn't have any connection to Christianity or Jesus or anything like that. It's basically an eight point cross. And this cross represents the eight dynamics of existence. The eight dynamics of existence. And basically, at, at Mosaic, we talk about uh, the heart of human need to believe, to belong, to become, to have a sense of meaning to have a reality of intimacy, and and to have this hope of progress, of a future, of a destiny, all right? And many of these dynamics of existence kind of resonate with some of those points. Every human being has a, a, a primal urge to survive as oneself. Every human being has a primal urge to survive as a family unit, okay? Every individual has, has a, a will to survive in some type of group. Small, large, you know, we're Americans, we're, you know, uptown Whittierites, whatever, okay? And then ultimately, as a species, as mankind, we have, we have these basic urges, all right? Now, these first four are all aspects that, that L. Ron Hubbard wrote into Dianetics, all right? Later on, he kind of added the last four, in some of his later writings. Uh, And because each human being is an immortal soul, the implication of that is that every human being has actually already lived previously multiple lives, previously. And in the future, most likely will live even more lives, unless they attain clear and operating Thetan. All right. And so basically that we have an urge to connect with plant, with the plant world, with the animal world, with the physical universe. And ultimately, with Scientology's concept of God is only defined as infinity or maybe more specifically as a supreme being. In essence, man always wants to eventually become God himself and be the master of his own destiny, all right? And so Scientology basically says, you can, you can accomplish this. It's possible, you can do it, all right? Now, you look at that, and, and those first four, you go, well, yeah, the, the next four start to get a little strange, a, a little bit, well, I don't know, I, 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 you know, when I go around the LA Arboretum, and I walk by the fern, area, I don't have a desire to become a fern. I don't know, it just doesn't, you know. I have pets that I love dearly. I would not want to come back as any kind of pet I've ever owned in my life. Um, I gotta admit, the idea of being God is a pretty attractive, uh, but uh, you know, I don't think that's gonna happen, all right? So you see some of this and you go again, oh man, all right, I, I, I can see some things of resonance and some things of dissonance. All right, Sci- Scientology also uh, has 21 principles of a moral code. And I think in this, you're going to find a lot more connection between even who you are, where you stand, uh, what um, people think. Basically, L. Ron Hubbard said that this, this list was compiled purely through common sense, just basic good old common sense, all right? That a way to, to happiness is to take care of yourself, okay? To be temperate, all right? Moderation. Don't be promiscuous, okay? Got that one? Love and help children. Honor and help your parents, Set a good example. Seek to live with the truth. Do not murder. That's a good one, especially for people around you. (laughs) Do not do anything illegal. Okay, good, good advice. Support a government designed for all people. Do not harm a person of good will. Safeguard and improve your environment. Do not steal. Be worthy of trust. Fulfill your obligations, be industrious, be competent. Respect the religious beliefs of others. Scientology basically uh, says that you can apply yourself to any faith system on the planet or to one of your own design and still be a practicing, competent, functioning Scientologist. So it's a kind of a both-and. You can be a Christian and a Scientologist. You can be a Hindu and a Scientologist, all right? Um, And then (laughs) do not do things to others that you would not like them to do to you. Sound kind of familiar? Next one. Try to treat others as you would want them to treat you. Negative, positive... Demon variation of the same point. And then lastly, flourish and prosper. Now, when you take a look at the the list of 21 things, it's like, yeah, sign me up. I'm all for that. Right? And that's the thing. Scientology really presents itself primarily as a self-help vehicle for you to accomplish your own personal goals. And then beyond that, it, it's meant to, to be a spiritual advancement. You know, In addition to becoming a better human being, you gain spiritual insight and, and, and advancement in your life. All right? So again, when, when you encounter someone that maybe identifies themselves as a Scientologist or somebody who practices Scientology... Um, I think that we have several areas of common ground that we can dialogue on and discuss together, even things that we could potentially stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder in, and, and support in a mutual sort of way. Right? And yet there are other aspects that are distinctly different and profoundly uh, impact individuals' and relationships in dramatically different ways, okay? On the surface, Scientology is those two things, but really underneath Scientology, it, it's basically a, a modern, a contemporary application of Gnosticism. It's this pursuit of truth, this pursuit of knowledge, and that really nobody's going to just like, lay knowledge flat out in black and white in front of you and say, ABC, one, two, three, here it is. What do you think? All right? And so Scientology, again, presents itself as a self-help process, spiritual advancement. But really, back behind the stuff you saw in the opening video, uh, there, there are hidden truths. There are secret um, applications. Of, of what's really happening uh, in humanity. And probably the, the most controversial of all of those is really kind of has to do with the origins story of mankind, where Christianity would say that God, the creator of the universe and of man, created, and everything got started. Uh, Scientology uh, talks about a creation but not really about a supreme being creator. But in the midst of that, the description of what human life on this planet is, is, and again, this is in the upper levels of Scientology. This isn't in the public. You're not going to be able to click on the video on the Scientology website about this area of teaching. But basically, when you get to the higher levels through auditing and through the classes and all of that, uh, you're handed a folder, and you go off into a private room, and you open up the folder, and you start reading about this principle, this 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 reality. And by this time, many people in Scientology, at least in the United States, have already been paying premium prices for classes and books and tapes and and personal counseling auditing sessions. And so you're basically into this, typically somewhere between 200 to $300,000 worth of personal investment for kind of like a middle-class American, all right? Um, you have vested relationships because you have Sunday services, you have small groups, you have a, a personal auditor, a mentor, in a way, all right? So by that time, you go into that room and you open up and you find out, again, L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction author, fundamentally, uh, most commercially. And so ultimately what you discover is that there was this alien, an intergalactic alien named Xenu, and he was a tyrant. And basically all the planets in this confederation uh, were overpopulated. And so Xenu went around with his minions and basically collected up the scum off of all of these planets in the galaxies and brought all the scum to Earth and basically chained them, imprisoned them around various volcanoes all over the planet. And then his minions dropped nuclear bombs, I know, stick with me here, into those volcanoes that erupted and destroyed all the, the living beings and and then they became these immortal souls, and they 're entrapped and uh, now continue to reincarnate themselves into other life uh, for, forever and forever and forever. I think all of us in this room can understand why that particular teaching would be awkward <laughs> to say. The absolute least. The absolute least. A little bit awkward at that point. It's like, hey, I'm all into that, you know, treat other people as I want them to treat me and, you know, help the planet and, you know, become a better person and improve my relationships. But, you know, I didn't sign up for this. So that's part of the issue that followers of Jesus Christ would have with the church or the religious spiritual philosophy of Scientology is, you know, if if you're gonna say this helps you, let's put it out there, you know? It, w- it would be kind of like Christians saying, hey, there was this carpenter, and he taught some really neat stuff about life and about God and about relationships and he he said some really profound things and you should really read what he taught and you read what he taught and you see the the lessons that Jesus, you know, the examples of how he stood up for the underprivileged and the outcasts and, and all of that. You know, and but all we ever talked about were, you know, kind of like his PC teachings. But then later on After a person's already been coming to your gathering, been a part of your small group, has personally vested interest in what you're doing as a community, then you kind of pull them aside and go, well, you know, this carpenter actually could walk on water. He could make food, multiple food, out of a couple of little loaves of bread and and fish. You know? He raised dead people to life again. Now now you see, Christianity, through the scriptures, lays all of that out in front of anyone and everyone and says, this is the truth of God to us, to you, to me. You can accept it or you can reject it, but we are going to present it to you in clarity, in truth with confidence and conviction and allow you the option to choose, to think for yourself, to experience for yourself and to choose for yourself. Within Scientology, Jesus is kind of seen one of three different ways. It depends on who you read and at what era during Scientology. Jesus is largely... Uh, seen as imaginary that there really was no historical Jesus if there really was a historical Jesus he's basically seen as insignificant it's like, "Mm, yeah, a Jewish guy ran around, did some interesting stuff it's not really important, isn't going to affect my life that's 2,000 years ago for crying out loud or lastly, Jesus is actually seen as something kind of insidious so he's either imaginary, incidental are insidious, and that Jesus is used by religious systems, i.e. Christianity, to be a, a manipulation of people, to get people to conform to what the church says needs to be. And yet scripture indicates to us, this is our closing passage, that God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we loved God but that he loved us. That he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So again, Scientology posts our problem as ignorance of our immortal self and our unlimited potential. And the solution is through personally applying yourself to the disciplines of Dianetics and improving as a person and advancing in your spiritual journey. Christianity, on the other hand, says our essential problem, our basic problem, is personal sin. And because of personal sin, our only hope is salvation through a gracious Savior named Jesus Christ. That's our only hope. Now, once again, we need to be gracious. We need to be compelling. We need to listen to people's stories of their spiritual journeys. All right? All of those things. Jesus modeled that in his own life. Paul modeled that in his own ministry. We need to be able to listen and be attentive to the spiritual journeys of the people in our life. And yet, I hope today, in a very quick way, you got some of the high points or some of the the commonalities and the distinctiveness between Scientology and Christianity and that you can grow in your own personal confidence in who God is, who you are in relationship to him, and what that means in my relationship with other people. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for loving us, for transforming our lives. And Lord, grant us the privilege of seeing you transform the world around us step-by-step, relationship-by-relationship, day-by-day, through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.